Amen. Uh, you know, we're in this uh, series, Beyond Words. And we're looking at words that Jesus spoke as he was dying on the cross. And I believe these are profound words. They're powerful words. They're words that have a deep implication. And they really are words that are beyond words. You know, Luke writes this in uh, Luke 23, verse 32. It says, Two other men, both of them criminals, were also let out to be put to death with Jesus. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified Jesus there and the two, two criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And I, I want to kind of pause there and ask you, what did Jesus do to end up nailed to a cross? Well, nothing. Jesus lived a, a perfect life, a sinless life. Jesus, uh, he surrendered himself fully and completely to the will of God. He loved people unconditionally. You, we see it throughout his life. Jesus' message was revolutionary. And Jesus was always pointing people to having a relationship with God. He, he challenged the religious community. He placed a high priority. Uh, the, the religious community put this really high priority on religion. They, Jesus called them hypocrites at a point. And he pointed out that they knew a lot about the law, but they didn't know God personally in their lives. And Jesus was clear that he did not come to preach the law, but that he came to fulfill the law. And Jesus' teachings, they were, they were different. He pointed to a new reality that existed. Everywhere Jesus went, he changed lives. He changed lives with his words, with his presence, and, and with his touch. You know, Jesus healed the, the blind, the deaf, Jesus was able to take people that could not walk, and suddenly they were leaping and praising God. Jesus spoke. Even the dead came to life. The power of Jesus' words could not be denied. And even though Jesus loved people, pointed people to God, followed God's will perfectly in his life completely, not my will, Lord, but thy will, Jesus ended up being betrayed by one of his own, a disciple by the name of Judas. Jesus was arrested, tried, and he had done nothing wrong. You know, the Bible says that even Pilate, who was kind of overseeing the trial, said, I don't find any fault in him. You know, I don't get it. What's the big deal here? But Jesus is condemned. He's stripped, beaten, tortured, spit on. In fact, he was beaten so badly that his back was just shredded, his internal organs exposed. Jesus had been mocked. He, they put a crown of thorns on his head. They, they, they blindfolded him at a point while the Roman soldiers took turns beating him with their fists. You know everything, Jesus? Tell us who just hit you. you know, Hail the king of the Jews. And they, they just mocked him. 
And scripture indicates Jesus was beaten so badly that he was not recognizable anymore. They nailed Jesus to a cross. They drove spikes in his hands and feet. They placed a sign above his head that says, this is the king of the Jews. Again, they're mocking him. And then the soldiers lift the cross up. They drop it in place. And Jesus is suspended between heaven and earth. And here's the thing that I find amazing when every time I read through the story. Jesus never spoke an evil word. He never retaliated. He never cursed. Never said an evil or negative thing. But on the cross, Jesus finally speaks. And I've often thought if I had been there, I would want to know what's this guy got to say. See, I mean, is he going to unleash on his abusers? Is he going to ask, you know, that the pain be relieved from him? Is he going to call down, you know, fire from heaven to, to get his tormentors? You know, what's he going to do? Scripture says this. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. In the middle of the pain, the injustice, the suffering, Jesus looks to heaven and he prays, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Words that for me, they make me pause. Words that that carry enormous significance, I think. You know, 700 years before that, earlier, uh, Isaiah, he prophesied that all of this would take place with the Messiah. You know, he writes this, Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, verse 12, he says, he willingly gave up his life, all right? That's exactly what Jesus did. He gave it all up for you and me. And shared the fate of evil men. You know, Jesus is executed between two criminals. We're told one on the left, left, (laughs) and one on the right. The dyslexic at at work here. He took the place uh, of many sinners. In other words, Jesus is nailed to the cross. He's going to die for you and me. that they might be forgiven. Jesus is nailed to that cross, and the people who had beat him, mocked him, abused him, he says, Father, forgive them. And when Jesus did that, he fulfilled prophecy. Jesus is praying, which, I mean, it really shouldn't be a surprise, should it? You know, Jesus prayed often. You know, he he regularly was pointing people to, to have a relationship with God. You know, he was pointing them to, of how to pray. You remember he said, you know, this is how you pray, our Father who art in heaven. 
he started his public ministry, he started with prayer. That's where he started. You know, in the garden, just a few hours before he'd be nailed to the cross, we're told that he prayed in the garden so intently that he was sweating blood. You know, Father, not my will, but thy will be done, Lord. And so here on the cross, as he's close to death, he prays. And it's a prayer that, that, I mean, it just hits you. I was thinking, Jesus is in a strange spot right now. You know, Jesus couldn't, uh, you know, do anything. His, his hands are, are bound to the cross. He couldn't go anywhere. I mean, he's, he's nailed to this cross. He's, he doesn't have enough strength to, to preach a message at that point. You know, physically, he's just, he's drained but he could do one thing. He could pray. And friends, I believe that's something we can all do no matter what's going on in our lives. We can pray. And I believe as Jesus prays these words, he is really revealing the greatest need in humanity, and that's forgiveness. You know, Jesus didn't pray for their healing he didn't pray that maybe their evil intents and their motives would, would be, be changed. He didn't bless them. He just prayed and said, forgive them. Forgive them. You know, I, I think all those things that he could have prayed, they're, they're worthy. But Jesus zeroes in on the greatest need in that moment, and that's forgiveness, forgiveness of sin. It's why Jesus came to this world. Why? So we could be forgiven? So we could have a relationship with, with God. I, I think that's why just a few hours earlier, Jesus sat around a table with his disciples. We call it the Last Supper. Remember, he broke the bread and he gave it to him. He said, this is my body. It'll be broken for you. And then he passes a cup of wine. And he says, this is my blood, which seals God's covenant. My blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness. It's the greatest need, isn't it? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They have no clue. And here's what hits me, and this is what resonated with me all, all week, is that just because we don't know what we do is wrong doesn't mean we're innocent. Well, I didn't know it was wrong. I didn't mean to hurt them. They did not know that they needed to be forgiven. But Jesus did, and they did need it. That's why you find Jesus, you know, throughout Scripture, numerous times, he'll go, your sins are forgiven, go and sin no more. Because it's the greatest need we have. 
You know, one day the religious uh, authorities, they, they attacked Jesus for forgiving a man's sins. They, they accused Jesus of blasphemy, which was punishable by death, by the way. The scripture says this, Jesus is answering them because they're attacking him. He goes, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, stand up and walk. But so that you may know, so you'll get this, you'll understand that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, stand up, take your bed, and go home. And he stood up and went home. This day, Jesus is dying on the cross. And he prays, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they've done. And here's what breaks my heart. I mean, how many broken, damaged relationships exist in this world? And particularly the the Christian community. You know, some people are just angry at the church. You know, suspicious uh, of Christians because of something that's happened or something that was said. And they're not necessarily angry at God, but they just don't want anything to do with the church, period. Some of you know people like that. There's all kinds of brokenness. You know, in fact, I know in a crowd this size that this morning there, there are a lot of people that are hurting, a lot of people in pain. You know, they're, they're carrying a lot of frustration and, and anger in life. There's a lot of pain in marriages, a lot of pain in families. I know there, there are women that are just angry at men because of something that was done or, you know, they've been abused or used. And, and there are men that don't trust women because they've been betrayed. There's pain and broken promises. I know there are probably grown children here that because they they grew up in an abusive background or they were neglected, that there's just, just a lot of junk. You know, brothers and sisters haven't talked for years because something happened, something was said, something was implied. And bottom line, relationships that have been shattered. And then you throw in a little alcohol, little drugs, a little sexual addiction, and that hurt and pain just gets multiplied in our world. You know, horrible things, ungodly things happen. What do you do? I mean, what do you do when you hurt like that? I mean, what do you do when you've been wronged in life? You know, when things aren't the way they're supposed to be. I mean, what do you do? Well, I think we do what Jesus did, what Jesus modeled in his life. You know, Jesus points to it, and he just says it. He says, Father, forgive them. Jesus teaches us to pray for those who hurt us. And, and just so we're really clear right now, pray good things not bad things, right? You now, Jesus said it this way. He says, keep speaking blessings on those who curse you 
keep praying for those who mistreat you. Hmm. Jesus is hanging on the cross. The Roman soldiers, they were the ones that mistreated Jesus, abused Jesus, mocked Jesus. And what's Jesus do? He prays for them. And I know if you're anything like me, and I suspect you probably are, you go, I'll pray for him, all right. (laughs) I'll pray God gets him. I'll pray they get what they have coming to them. That's a tenet, right? Am I right on that? Here's what confuses me terribly. I talk about being consistent. When we wrong someone, well, well, they deserved it. It wasn't a big deal. I mean, besides, they really ticked me off. You know, somebody needed to show them and put them in their place. And we just shift. We, we change our perspective according to which side of the situation you're on, Right? You know, it's a little bit like the, the guy that got bit by the rabid dog. You know, he ends up getting rabies. And so he, uh, it was something that could have been treated, but he kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And then he put it off so long finally, and the, the symptoms got so bad, he went to see the doctor. And the doctor goes, too late. You're going to die. And the guy, after the initial shock, you know, he says, can I get a pen and paper? And he starts writing. And finally, the doctor's like, what are you doing? He goes, making a list of people. And the doctor's like, oh, okay, people to contact when, you know, you end up in the hospital or when you die. And he goes, no. He goes, these are people I don't like. You know, it's a list of people I'm going to bite. If you repeat that, say you heard it at the Baptist church or something like that. But anyway, yeah. It's how people live, isn't it? So many people, when they're wounded, they get angry. They get bitter. They, they refuse to forgive. Their hearts get, get, they just get harder and harder and harder in their lives. Jesus, Jesus is raised in Jewish tradition, all right? Which meant, just in a nutshell, that he was raised under the law. He he was raised to love the law. He's in a, a, a Jewish community, and the mentality was an eye for an eye. Which, which basically meant if someone poked out your eye, guess what? You get to poke out theirs. If somebody knocked out your tooth, you get to knock out their tooth, which might explain why people didn't smile so much back then. I don't know. It's like, but it was, get even. You know, in other words, whatever happened, you could give it back to them. Jesus also was raised in Greco-Roman culture. Nemesis was the popular god of Rome. 
and was known for revenge. And the Romans, if you know anything about the Romans, they were famous for revenge. If you wronged a Roman, what you could expect coming back your way was about 10 times worse than whatever you had done to them. Revenge was the prevailing mentality of the culture. Jesus never once traveled down that road. Instead, he prays in that moment, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they've done. It is a prayer that we are called to pray. And please, please understand, I'm not suggesting this is easy, all right? But some of you have relationships that are important. They're important to you. They're important to God. But they're strained or severed or broken. And sure, they they may have done something wrong. They may deserve punishment, all right? In fact, let's just assume for argument's sake that they meant to do what they did or what they said and that they were totally 100% wrong, all right? Let's just assume that. Well, guess what God calls us to? Higher standard. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they've done. And get this, when, when I pray that prayer, when, when I take that step, my prayer not only changes, it, you know, it may not change who they are, it may not change them at all, but it will always, it will always change me when I pray that prayer. I cannot pray God's blessing on someone without God doing something supernatural in my heart and in my life. It's a hard prayer to pray, but it always changes my heart. It always does. You ever tried to pray that prayer? I mean, God will do something significant in you. When you do that, you know, that's why, why Jesus said, said this. You've heard people say, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. That's easy to do, isn't it? Yes? Easy. But, okay, here we go. Jesus says, I tell you to love your enemies and pray for anyone, anyone, everyone, who mistreat you. Who hurt you? Who, who, who wronged you? I mean, what relationship in your life is broken? You pray what Jesus prayed. You pray for those who hurt you. Father, forgive them. You pray for Forgiveness. Possible restoration, healing. Father, forgive them. They, they don't know what they did. Want, want things to be right. 
you know, the Apostle Paul, he's writing uh, Christ followers. And remember, these are Christ followers in Rome, okay? Rome, where the God of revenge is really, really popular. And Paul writes this. He says, do not repay anyone, anyone, evil for evil. In other words, uh, no revenge here. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. I would kind of add that that what's godly, noble, if it is possible as far as it depends on who? Who? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, me. There we go. Yeah, it depends on you. (laughs) Live at peace with everyone. It is a responsible ask, and it's reasonable ask from Paul. You know, Paul acknowledges that it may not, you know, it may not be possible. You can't control what someone else does. All you can do is control what's here in your heart. But God calls you. God calls you to do your part. I mean, if that person that you reach out to doesn't want to talk, won't take your call, whatever, then I always tell people, let it go, move on. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, see, make the attempt to live at peace with everyone. Not everybody wants to be at peace. I get that but you do what you can do. In other words, if there's a broken relationship, you try and deal with it. You don't wait. Try and deal with it. Fact is, don't let the opportunity get away from you. And I say that as kindly as I can because I have seen the pain of unresolved issues in life, especially when that other person dies. It gets It gets very difficult. People that didn't take the opportunity to try and deal with the strained relationship, you know, with a spouse or a parent or a child, you know, a sibling, maybe a friend. The the pain, the guilt, that void that's there, it's kind of amplified then in that moment. And forgiveness becomes very complicated, all right? It's still possible, but, but it's complicated. And my, my best advice is truly just deal with it. Many of you have an opportunity to do that. But tomorrow's not guaranteed. You know, you have a relationship that's strained, that's broken. Here we go. Quit. Quit holding grudges about something that was said or something that happened back whenever. You know, quit fighting. Quit fighting over money, politics, whatever the issue is. You know, you fill in the blank. You know, quit shouldering and, and, you know, pushing people away. You know, giving them a cold shoulder about something they said or something they did, you know, that they may or may not know was hurtful. You know, quit holding whatever it is against them. Now you just got to grow up at some point and go, stop, stop. Do something about it. You know, apologize. Repent. Offer grace. 
Just let it go. I guarantee you it's doing more damage in your life than it's doing good. You know, rise above the crowd. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they've done. And I know some of you are going, yeah, but how do you do that when you hurt like I hurt? Friends, I do not know your situation. I do not need to know your situation. But this I know. When I hurt and I don't want to forgive, you know, when I've been pressed, this, this is something I've turned to my whole life, and it, and it really helps me. You know, Colossians, Paul writes, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's where I get knocked back. Here's here's an ugly fact. If I take all the wrongs that have been done to me through the years, yeah, things that have happened, and I like multiply them like hundreds of times, they will not even come close to how many times I have wronged God in my life. And yet, you know what God does? He forgives me. How do you forgive? Father, forgive them. How can I get there? Well, I can get there when I realize that I forgive as God's forgiven me. And here's why this is so important. Jesus, he makes a statement in his ministry that I think was meant to, to kind of shake us up and motivate us and, and put us back on our heels a little bit. Jesus says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your heavenly Father will not. Forgive your sins. It's a struggle sometimes. And if you're struggling today, I I would challenge you, you know, it's like, I just can't bring myself to forgive them. Then you, you just need to pray. Get the words out of your mouth. Father, Help me to forgive them. You know, Father, help me get there so that I can forgive them. You know, Lord, work in me. Because forgiveness, many times, it's a process. In fact, I would say rarely, when we've really been wronged, rarely do we get to forgiveness immediately. You know, like God God gets there immediately. God goes, I can forgive you. I can forgive you. But we struggle. It's a process. But here's what I do know. If you pray that prayer, at some point, you can do it. God will give you the strength and the wisdom to to get there. You know, God will give you the courage to be able to offer it 
to them. Father, forgive them. For they don't have a clue what they've done. Those words, they're more than words, aren't they? They're beyond words. I challenge you today. Who is it you need to forgive? Yeah. Who is it you need to reach out to? Again, not simple. Not easy. All my years of ministry, I've never had anybody come and catch me and go, yeah, that was the worst idea to forgive someone. It just hasn't ever happened. I usually hear, I should have done that 20 years ago. Wow, that was a weight off. Not saying it worked out well, okay, that everything got put. In fact, I don't know that it ever gets put back in most cases, but it does bring healing to the soul. It does. So let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, we thank you that you came to this world because you knew we needed forgiven. And God, I still marvel at that. And God, I know I have, uh, in my own life, just, I'm sure you've looked and been disappointed, but God, I marvel that when I come to you, you still, you give forgiveness. I thank you that you sent your son to make that right. And God, I also know this morning there are those that the uh, whole time I've been speaking that names and faces have been just flashing. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just give them the courage to pick up the phone, to set a date to just have a talk and not try and just rehash stuff, Lord, but just to say I'm going to give them forgiveness. God, help us to be the people that you have created us and called us to be. Help us to unburden ourselves, to know healing, and to know grace. God, we give you the glory with all we say and all we do. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. There'll be prayer teams down front. I encourage you, you know, maybe something's been laid on your heart this morning. You don't have to come down and pour out your story. Just say, hey, pray for me. Maybe you had something unrelated. Go on. And, you know, maybe you need prayer for a job or for healing or you know, some situation, just just let them pray with you. Let them pray with you, and uh, let's worship God this morning.